Hey guys, welcome to Wednesday at the Cross. And uh, what a beautiful night just to celebrate again the goodness of the Lord. Today is Passover. And I would encourage you to read again Zola Levitt. Uh, the stuff that he's written on the seven feasts as well as uh, really just uh, on the Passover is phenomenal. I would encourage you to study, uh, study up as much as you can on this. But the Passover is the feast of salvation. Passover celebrated uh, the fact that uh, the Jews would remember that the lamb of, uh, with no blemish, that was a male lamb, would be sacrificed. Uh, you go back and read Exodus 12, Exodus 13. And, and this lamb, when it was sacrificed, the blood of this lamb was taken and smeared over the doorpost. And it was, it was a sign. We belong to God. We're, we're, we're pressing into the Lord, and the death angel would pass over. It was a time for Israel to remember, and the entire Hebrew nation to remember, that we have been delivered from the bondage in Egypt. And you go back and study, and they were in bondage for like close to 300 years. So the blood of the Lamb delivers us from slavery. The Jew, it was being delivered from Egypt. But for us who are born again, followers of Christ, it delivers us from sin. It is no coincidence that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, he became the ultimate sacrifice and it took place on Passover. So as Christians, we celebrate the Passover by trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus's uh, atoning, uh, pouring out his blood, uh, redempt, uh, redemptive work on the cross. And when we do that, we celebrate it by remembering what Jesus said. Th this is my blood being poured out as the new covenant. And so uh, back in Egypt, the Jew marked his house with the blood of the lamb. Today, the Christian marks his house, the body, which is called the temple of the Holy Spirit, we mark it with the blood of Christ. Again, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we celebrate that we've been cleansed and covered by the blood. So Passover represents salvation. And again, Jesus said, as often as you meet, do this in remembrance of me. So again, I would encourage you, maybe even tonight, spend some time and celebrate uh, the marvelous work that Christ has done on the cross. Let's, I'm going to do it right now. Again, I just, I, I love being able to s set apart that time, uh, again, to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Again, Lord, I receive the wafer, symbolic of the body of Christ. Thank you for carrying my sin debt on the cross. And then, Lord, I celebrate your goodness because you poured out your blood as a new covenant Lord, thank you that we can drink from the vine and say, yes, we have entered into covenant with you because of the shed blood of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. I would encourage you to do that. And it's a great way, it's a great way for us to keep in the forefront, again, just uh, how much Christ has done on our behalf so that we could be redeemed and set free, Okay. So I want to contemplate some thoughts with you tonight, and I would encourage you, uh, if you've got your, your John journal or your Bible, whatever you've got, flip back over to John chapter 13, 
We dove into John 13 on Sunday, and Rick did a tremendous job breaking down this chapter. If you missed it, please go back, go online uh, to Vimeo, or go to YouTube or Facebook. Please make sure you watch the message from this past Sunday. But I want to revisit John 13. And right out of the gate, Jesus makes this uh, statement, if you will, and John captures it. He says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he had come from God, he was going back to God, it goes on to say that Jesus poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Again, this was absolutely rebuking the pride of the disciples. It was, a, it was an amazing thing that Jesus would stoop and do what he did. After he washed their feet, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? Great question. Do you know what I've done to you? If I, the Lord and teacher, if I have washed your feet, you ought to also go out and wash one another's feet. I gave you an example that you should do as I did for you. Oh, again, incredible, incredible that the God of all creation, the King of the universe, the Master and Lord would wash these disciples' feet. I mean, they had been walking these dusty Palestinian roads, and when Jesus gets them together for that, that kind of farewell uh, evening, if you will, with them, he washes their feet. So here's what I would say to you. Greatness is not defined by being served. Greatness is expressed in genuine service to others. If you want your life to count, serve. Jesus Christ, when you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you study his life, Jesus modeled the life of a humble, loving servant. And he has called us to walk in his steps. Jesus calls you and I to give our lives away in extravagant acts of selfless service. This is the heartbeat of heaven. Let me say it again. Selfless service is the heartbeat of heaven. So what Jesus did, he looks at these 12 and he's extending his mission to these 12. They're going to go out into the world. They're going to proclaim the gospel and all this. But what he modeled and what he demonstrated and what he empowered them, disciples, to do was this. I want you to go serve. So they were to go into the world, take the message of the gospel, and they were to serve God, serve each other, and they were to serve all people. Now that is the same mission that you and I have. We're to go into the world serving God, serving others, and taking the gospel, the good news, the message of hope, the message of salvation, grace, mercy, love, we're to take that to our world. Now, as we think about serving, and I want to encourage you to contemplate just uh, a few principal thoughts, if you will, on serving. And the first point I would make an observation would be this. If you're going to genuinely serve and give your life away, you've got to realize that servants know who they are and they know who they belong to. Even in verse 3 of John chapter 13, Jesus basically says, I know who I am. I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. And here's a premise. Identity will always drive activity. 
being free with who you are will drive you to be able to serve something greater than yourself. Not knowing who you are can cause you to start to function as a consumer and not a servant. And you will be more tempted if you're not free with who you are in Christ and know your identity, you will be more, temp uh, more tempted to take than you will to give. God has called us to give our lives away Again, just in radical, uh, selfless service to others for his glory. So, again, identity is so crucial, but I would encourage you, just write down, who am I? Who am I in Christ? Who was I apart from Christ? What is my fundamental purpose for being on the planet? Again, Jonathan Edwards said, and so did John Piper, God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied with him. That is my purpose, is to be satisfied with the king. Uh, what motivates and fuels me every day? And some of the things that I've written down over the years just in this identity uh, study is I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I belong. I have worth in Jesus' name. It is a powerful, powerful place to land. So identity will drive activity. It would be a second observation. Servants humble themselves and they allow God to use them. And humility is such a huge piece of uh, our Christian journey. Again, servants know that God opposes the, pro uh, the proud. God does not uh, applaud anywhere in Scripture a prideful heart. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I would encourage you, stay humble. One, one of the, the great things to think through is this journey is not about me. Benjamin Franklin said, to be humble to your superiors, oh, that's duty. To be humble to those who are your equals, that's courtesy. But to be humble to those who are inferior, that's nobility. And so how we treat the least of these and those who can do nothing for us reveals so much about our heart. Walk in humility. True servants are humble. Here's another uh, critical observation. Servants seek God. They don't seek positions, prestige, or even power. 1 Corinthians 4, you can read those first uh, two verses there. But in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Let a man regard us in this manner. We're servants of Christ and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. He goes on to say a steward man should be found trustworthy. So a servant was all about being an under rower, hidden, out of the way, but honoring the master. And I can tell you, when we start to authentically serve the king, it's not about a title. It's about having a strong testimony that God can leverage for his glory. If you go back and study even the Old Testament, Pharaoh, he had a, he had a great title, but he, he abused that position he was in. But you look at Joseph and his response, Joseph had a great testimony. We, we name our kids Joseph. We don't name them Pharaoh. Look at the strength of his testimony. Saul, the first king of Israel, 1 Samuel 8. He had a title, but God raised up a young shepherd boy by the name of David, and David had a testimony. Even when we uh, study through the Gospels, Herod, Herod had a title, but John the Baptist had a testimony. And we want to walk out our faith so that we have a testimony to be used by God to influence others. We're not defined by titles or job descriptions.
Oh, that is so crucial. We've got to press into the Lord. Your position or your title or whatever may give you an audience, but it's going to be your humility and your faith and dependence on Christ that's going to give you ministry. And I'm not just looking for an audience. I really want to be used by God to have ministry. Here's another principle. Servants will give up personal rights because they truly find joy in serving others. Now, when we repented and pressed into the Lord and surrendered to Christ, I can tell you this. I gave up all my rights. Jesus now owns me. I don't have any rights. Anything I have, everything that I am now belongs to my master. I mean, I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. He's my master. And, and some of the things that helped me keep things in context would be this. And I remember writing this out years ago. I am no better than you. Why? Because of origination. God made all of us. We're made in the image of God. Whether we live it out or not, I'm no better than you. And no one is better than me because God created us in his image. Origination, I'm no better than you. Contamination, oh, sin jacked up the entire human race. And it disrupted us at every level. I'm no better than you because of contamination. Maybe how we sin and how we uh, elevate our flesh patterns may differ, but I'm no better than you, and you're no better than me. I'm no better than you because of destination. We're all going to die one day, right? And we're going to all stand before the Lord one day. I'm no better than you. That's going to happen to us all. But I'm no better than you because of God's provision of salvation. And God has offered hope and healing and redemption to each of us. And I would encourage you, press into that. Our strategy should be every day to be the best that we can be and all we can be for the glory of God, and we should be desiring to make others be the best they can be and all they can be for the glory of God. We have to come to the realization, it's not what's in it for me. It's not what can I gain, what can I get. The mindset of being a servant, as Jesus modeled in John 13, is an attitude of being a blessing to others. And I've come to realize servants are not attached to their own personal agenda. They're submitted to the lordship of Christ. It's huge. Here's another one. Servants have nothing to prove, and they have nothing to lose. If you function out of a need to be needed, you will be exposed. But if your why in serving is for the glory of God and for the good of others, you're going to be free. We say here that we serve out of adoration, not out of obligation. And I can promise you, for the lost person, the here and now is as good as it gets. But for the saved person, the here and now is as bad as it will ever be. We're adoring Christ. We know we live in a fallen world. We know that contamination exists around us, but we're free to worship Jesus. We're not trying to prove our worth. We're just free in Christ to live our worth, and part of living our worth is being able to serve others in the name of the Lord. It would be the last point I would make. Servants multiply their leadership by empowering others. They're constantly pouring into others, discipling others, equipping others. In 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, 
He says, the things that you've heard from me and learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to take these out and I want you to entrust them to other faithful men, other faithful women who in turn will go out and entrust these uh, same teachings to others. And so discipleship is about passing on and empowering others to grow up in maturation in their faith to be all that they can be. Again, Tom Landry, that great coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he made this observation. He said, the key to becoming a great coach is getting people to do what they don't want to do so that they can, so that they can become what they've always dreamed of. And I, I've thought about that over the years. I mean, I think it's hard to start to get into the rhythm of spiritual disciplines and growth in your journey. But one of the keys is, hey, I'm going to do some things I don't necessarily want to do so that I can become the person that God desires for me to be, which is way beyond anything that I've ever dreamed of. And I was thinking about that even in a conversation that I had with a guy yesterday. You know, again, God can use us if we're willing just to be servants. And God will take us to places and allow us to have interaction with people we never dreamed possible. So I encourage you, as we walk through this Passion Week, as we contemplate again the power of Passover and the Feast of Salvation, again, let us take that hope, that grace, that love, let us take it to other people around us. Utilize your social media. Utilize texting. Utilize your phone uh, right now. Make phone calls. Encourage people. And I'm not just talking about people that you go to church with. I'm talking about people that you know are alienated that are searching for hope and direction right now. Would we be known as a people that authentically serve others for the glory of God? I pray that you just have an incredible night. Many of you are going to now be moving toward a small group interaction on Zoom. Hey, make it a great night and let's be radical servants for the king.